Amen. Okay, so where are we going to begin? If we're going to talk about resolving conflict or getting rid of the conflicted area of our, uh, areas of our life or having real peace in, in, in all areas of our life, let's begin with the greatest commandment. Now, Jesus listed two, okay? In the book of Matthew, chapter 22, he was actually asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, I'm going to give you two. You know, I, 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 like, I just like that. You know, it's kind of like, I mean, I, I think Jesus got a little bit of a 2911 spirit on him. You know, it's like, you ask me for one, I'm going to give you two. You know, I'm going to surprise you a little bit, you know? And, and so here, here's the first one. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The first one is to love God. Let me tell you this. It all begins right here. Pretty much anything else in Christianity, pretty much anything else in your life, if this ain't right, ain't nothing right. You know that, you know that saying, you ever hear that saying, when mama ain't happy? Can I tell you something? When God ain't happy, when God's not happy, ain't nobody going to be happy either. I mean, it's, it begins right here. And, you know, here's a mistake we sometimes make in church, or the church has made over the years. And sometimes we still make this, we still make this mistake. Is we see somebody that maybe they're struggling in life or something, and we say, well, you know what's wrong with you? And we, we quote them a scripture or whatever. And the problem is they don't care anything about that scripture unless they already love God with all their heart, soul, and mind. And if you don't love God, first of all, with everything that you, if you don't love him supremely, scripture doesn't mean a whole lot to you. Man, I can quote scripture to you all day, but if you don't love God, it doesn't, it doesn't challenge you. It doesn't make you say, oh no. But see, I love this lady sitting right here on the front row. You know, I, gave, I, I gave myself to her 36 years ago and a few days, and it hadn't been long since we had our anniversary. I gave myself to her. And you know what? When I find out I'm breaking one of her rules, you know, I might not be happy about it. But when I find out I'm breaking one of her rules, I want to change something about me because I love her. I want to change something about how I do this because I love her. In the same way, when you love God and you realize something isn't right, then you want to change it. It all begins right here. Now, I mentioned a scripture last week, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. I mentioned it very quickly, but I want to, I want to take you to it today. A lot, a lot of people, I've I heard people say, well, and, and this, is, this is kind of a, one of the paraphrases that I hear people quote this scripture all the time. They say, well, God just works everything out for my good. He just works everything out for my, that ain't what that scripture says. Let's look at it real quick. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. And I know some of you are saying, well, ain't that what it says? No, not exactly, is it? And, and, and secondly, here's another thing to think about is the context of what he is saying. You need to just back up a few verses. I mean, if, you, if you're living your life that, hey, God's going to work everything out and I'm going to be okay. If you're living your life like that, you need to go and read that. I mean, if this is your, your life scripture, you need to go back and read the rest of Romans chapter 8 and lead into that and see where he talks about how there are troublesome times that come to us. We get persecuted from time to time. We suffer from time to time. Everything's not hunky-dory. But in the middle of that, he says, God is working all of these things together. Okay, so all these things, but it, it's not just, hey, do anything. And, and look what it says. There are two qualifiers here. It says, if you are Though one of those who love God, this very first, the great commandment to love God. If you love God supremely with all you've got, then things begin to work together for your good, if you love God. But there's another qualifier there. 
He said, those who are called according to your purpose, according to his purpose. Meaning that these are not people who say, well, I love God and all that. And I go to church and I raise my hands, you know, and I do all that. But I kind of got my own way figured out over here. I'm going to make my decision here or, or I'm going to choose what to do here. I'm going to choose how to run my life here or I, I'm going to, I'm going to take this road regardless of, no, these are the people, the people who have this blessing are the people who say, God has a purpose for my life, and they line themselves up with that purpose. That first of all, they love God, like, like I, more than I love my wife, but like I love my wife, that hey, and if something isn't right, I want to work, work through this thing. They love God, and they realize, hey, I am called for a purpose, and I have a relationship with him. We're, we're, in, we're in relationship, and we have a commitment to one another here. There is some give and take, and there are some things that he is requiring of me, and some things that I have to do, and, and there are some things that, that because, because I am obedient to him, that, then he requires of himself to do for me. Then I get these promises and blessings. It's not that I get to do my own thing. And then God works it all out. But when you love God and you understand that you have been called for a purpose and you align yourself with that purpose, not choosing your own thing, but align yourself with that purpose, then you know what you get? You get the first part of that verse, which says all things work together for good. You know what, what, what does that say? That says everything in your life is going to be in harmony. Even get, this is deep. Okay. This is, this is really powerful too. Is even the battles and the struggles and the arguments and the trials and the valleys that you walk through, even those things are going to come together in harmony to also bring you good. There is harmony. So you got to get this. You got to get this because if there is conflict in this right here, if there is conflict in your relationship with God, your whole life is going to be conflicted. There's, there's not going to be peace. So, so I, I mean, you know, really, if you don't get this, if you're not going to get this, everything else, and, and here's what happens, is, is when we preach, and, and we preach to people that don't love God, then when we preach, you know what it sounds, it sounds like we're just giving out a bunch of rules. You need to do this, you need to quit doing that, you need to go here, you need to quit going there. It sounds like a bunch of rules, but when you, if you, if you get this, you will see what the rest of this means of this sermon. But if you don't embrace this, if you don't accept this that, and, and love God supremely, then the rest of this sermon is going to be a bunch of rules to you. It's not going to make sense. And you know what? It, it, it's not going to make much difference in your life either. It, it is going to make some difference, but it's not going to make this kind of a difference up there that everything in your life will come together in harmony and bring good and bring blessing to your life. That's, that's what God wants to give. He wants to get rid of the conflicted areas of your life and, and in the middle of them, bring you harmony, peace, and blessing. Then let's go on and see how he can do that. Embrace him first. Listen, I'll tell you this. We always close with a final song today. You got one last chance to really just sing. You know, we're not gonna end this with my words today. We're gonna end this with your heart and his heart connecting. You get one more chance. So make up your mind today. When we sing that last song, we come together at the close and we're praying, we're singing that last song, I am going to embrace him like I have never embraced him before because I'm ready to get rid of some conflict in my life. So here's the second greatest commandment. This is number two in the top ten also is to love others. Jesus said in the second commandment is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now that doesn't say love your neighbor more than yourself, Okay. And I, I've had people point that out. It doesn't say love your neighbor more. I, okay, I get that, but it says love your neighbor as yourself. You know what's going to happen if you love your neighbor as yourself? Every once in a while, you are going to have to be selfless. 
And probably a lot more than you really realize you're going to have to be self. There is a selflessness that, that, that must, must be produced in your heart and in your spirit if you are going to love your neighbor as yourself. He said, wait a minute, selfless then means that I put them before me. And and this says I shouldn't put, I don't put them before me, but they're the same. But you know, you do the same thing with your, you deny yourself sometimes, don't you? I mean, when you have a hard day or or, or you've had a bad battle or something, you go home, you get, you go into the house and and you're just like, man, you just, all you want to do, you just want to eat a half gallon of ice cream and go sit in front of the TV, you know? And do you ever have that kind of a feeling? And maybe yours isn't ice cream. Maybe it's something else, you know, chocolate cake, chocolate cookies or whatever. You just want to empty something that's sweet. I want to just attack something that's sweet. And, you know, and what do you do? You know, hopefully, uh, you know, you don't binge like that too very often. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of, not hearing a lot of amens, but I'm seeing a lot of smiles. And I'm seeing, I think I'm seeing some people nudge one another here, okay? Hopefully you don't binge like that too often. Hopefully what you do is you tell yourself, no. This isn't good for me. And if you do that to yourself, for yourself, then every once in a while, you're going to do that to yourself for somebody else. You're going to have to be selfless. So here's a question for you. On a scale of one to 10, how do your friends, how would your friends rate your selflessness? What would they say you are? You're a two out of 10. What would they say you are? You're about a five because, you know, you can go, I mean, you just never know with you. You know, some of you, some of you that way, you know, some days you're totally selfless and some days you're totally selfish. <laughs> Which is it? And, and, and let, me, let, me, let me encourage you this. If you think you're an eight, nine, or a 10, I encourage you to ask two of your closest friends this afternoon for them to rate you. They'll straighten you out, okay? And ask somebody that'll tell you the truth. Don't ask somebody that'll tell you what you want to know. Ask somebody who'll tell you the truth. And then don't... I got to throw this in. Don't get mad. <laughs> if you ask for the truth, don't get mad, okay? Now, and, and listen, hey, if you don't want to know the truth, don't ask me. I, you know, I get myself in trouble more times than not because I believe when somebody asks the questions, they want to know the answer. And sometimes they don't really want to know the answer. They just want to say, I asked the question, you know, and they didn't argue with me. If don't, don't, I'm one of those, if you don't want to know the answer, don't ask the question, okay? But you need to ask somebody maybe. And how, would, how do you think you, you, you stack up here in selflessness? Here's what we've got to remember. Is we are who we are today. We are sitting where we sit today. And I don't just mean in these chairs, but I mean in the right place that we are with God because of a Savior that was selfless, that went to the cross of Calvary and gave every single thing that he had. He didn't have to come, but he left a a throne room where creatures were crying out to him 24 hours a day. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He left that to come and die on Calvary's cross for me and you. This is his example of selflessness. We're going to come back to selflessness in just a few moments. But let me take you to, to, to four teachings of Christ. These are our next four, okay? And these are the crazy teachings of Christ. Okay, now, I, some of y'all worried, oh, pastor, he's, he's getting close to blasphemy here, calling Jesus crazy. No, I'm just talking about his teachings. Some of his teachings are crazy. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You've read some of the things that Jesus said, and you think, man, he must be crazy. How in the world do we do that? Have you, ever, have you ever been reading something in the Bible and wonder, how in the world are we supposed to do that? I mean, you know, it's almost like Jesus is just going crazy right here. But the first one I want to take you to are the steps to ending drama. I thought I, I'm getting a little rumblings here and there, but I thought I'd get a lot because I've been hearing a lot of y'all talk about drama lately, and you've heard past one of the reasons I'm talking about it is because I hear all y'all talking about it. 
You know, it seems like every time we go and sit with somebody, you know, I'd, I'd say three quarters of the time we sit and talk with somebody, they bring up drama, you know. And you know what? It's always drama in somebody else's life, right? It's always somebody else that has, not me. It's always somebody else that has the drama. But I, 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 here's another good place you might want to just ask your friend this afternoon. If you're asking them about yourself, let's just, just go ahead and throw this one in as a bonus question in the little survey you're doing and saying, hey, do I have any drama in my life that I'm just kind of unaware of? It, 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 it'd be a good, good question to ask, okay? Here's, here's how Jesus says to get rid of the drama. This, this gets rid of the drama. If every single person in this room would do what Jesus lays out here in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, 16, 17, three little verses, he lays out how to end drama. This quick, this easy. He said, first of all, he said, if you got a problem, if there's conflict, go to the person with the con- that you have conflict with privately. By yourself, just you and them, okay? And that is the very first thing. And I started to list these and just have them pop up on the screen one at a time, but I, just for speed's sake, they're all, they're all right there. But you realize that is what he says first. Go privately. Don't talk to your best friend, your BFF. You know, don't talk to them about it. Don't post it on Facebook. You know, don't talk, don't even talk to, don't even talk to your pastor yet. If you've got conflict with somebody, Jesus said, go to the person that you have conflict, just you and them, just you and them privately and talk this thing out. Then he says, if they won't listen to you, then go get one or two other people and take back with them. Now listen, here's what he's not saying. Go get you a posse and tell them how you've been wronged and let them go help you beat this person up. Not physically beat them up or emotionally beat them up or, or, or verbally beat them up. Don't, beat, don't get you. That's not what he says. Not get a policy. Take one or two people. I mean, really, I just say, don't even tell them why you're going. Say, look, I just need you to go and, and help me talk through some things with somebody. And don't, so they've got this open mind because that's the spirit of what's going on here. And Jesus said, if they still won't listen to you, then take it to the church. Now, 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 now listen, okay. Uh, we got to be careful here because some people misunderstand that. They think take, you know, when take it to the church. They think that means show up early on Sunday morning so you can talk to as many people as you can before church. That's not what he's talking about, okay? It means take it to the leadership. Take it to the pastor. You know, if you're, if you're a, a teenager, take it, take it to, the, to the teen and tween pastor. If you're a 20-something-year-old single, then, then take it to the, to the young adult pastor. Take it to someone like that. And then he said, if they still won't listen, then he said, basically, this is a little paraphrase, but he said, treat them like a Treat them like an unchurched person as a lost person. What does that mean? Write them off. They can't hang around me anymore. That's the way we treated it, but that's not what he's saying. How do we treat lost people? We love them more. We pray for them more. We reach out to them even more. This is the way to end drama. You see, and if you try to skip, I am fully convinced, if you skip, number one, if you don't really want peace, you want revenge. You want to tell somebody how you've been hurt. You don't really want, if you really want peace, if you want to end the drama, then never skip number one. I, because listen, 90% of situations will be handled if you'll, go t- if you'll take that number one. And these are not the pastor's words. If you don't believe me, read the scripture. Go to Sunday's page, click on the link, it'll take you to the scripture right there. You can read it right now. We, I'm just trying to save a little time here because I got seven more of these that I got to hit up and I've already taken 16 minutes just on the first three. I'm convinced if you, don't, if you don't follow that first one, if you skip that first one, you don't want to end your, end your drama. End the drama in your relationships. End the drama. 
Okay, now here, here's, here's three tweaks that Jesus gives us to these steps right here, okay? The first one is apologize, even for the stuff you didn't do. Wow, it's getting quiet in here, isn't it? Y'all hear a pin drop? Okay, now Jesus didn't say apologize for the stuff you didn't do, okay? But I'm, I, I, I'm elaborating here a little bit for you to see this. Jesus says, therefore, if, if you are offering your gift at the altar, it's like in, in, our, in our context, it'd be like at the end of service, you're walking up there, you're about to put your tithes and offerings into that, into that bag back there, and you remember that there's, there's somebody who has something against you, leave your gift there. It means don't put it in the bag yet. You know, maybe give it to the usher. Say, hang on just a minute. I got to talk to somebody and tell them, don't put it in the bag yet. And go and go find that person, whether they're in this room or somewhere else. He says, and and leave your gift there in front of the altar. And first go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Okay, here's the thing. Is if you know you have hurt someone, then you have the responsibility to go to them. That's what Jesus is saying here. If you know that someone has hurt at you, if you know someone has offended at you, if you, have, if you have harmed someone in some way, and even if they're not upset with you, but you have harmed them because you have spread things about them that has hurt who they are, that's still an offense. Even if they, don't, they say, well, I'm not offended, they, you have still hurt them, then you have the responsibility to do that, what to be reconciled. And when you have the responsibility to be reconciled, that means i got to reconcile with you whether I like it or not i got to reconcile with you whether you apologize or not. i got to reconcile. i got to get this thing reconciled before God can accept my gift to him. Because if, I, if I've got this thing right between me and God, I'm going to try to be fixing this also. And before I can get that right, then i got to be reconciled to you. And so you know what's going to happen? Every once in a while, you're going to have to apologize for something you didn't do. Now listen, some, I know there's some people that they apologize about 200 times a day. They apologize for everything going on around them. And I, obviously, that's just, that's just a word flies out of their mouth. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about honestly, sincerely stopping to say, I'm sorry. And apologize. sometimes you're going to have to apologize for things you didn't do. Anybody else ever? Ha- yeah, you don't have to raise your hand. We have to apologize for things we did do. Se- secondly, we have to forgive even when it doesn't add up. Even when the explanation or the repentance doesn't add up, Jesus said, and this is Luke chapter 17, verse 3 through 4, he says, watch yourself. So watch yourself. <laughs> That's weird that it was thrown right there on the first. And listen, Jesus didn't speak in verses, okay? So he didn't say, okay, now I'm at verse 3, so watch your-. He didn't speak in verses like that, okay? We did that, kind of lay it all out where we could find it, but it's kind of cool that it's right there. Watch yourself. Pay attention right here, okay? If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. That's a strong word, isn't it? But it, it says you can go tell them, hey, you, you sinned against me. And, and, and listen, if they don't sin against you, okay, then you're going to treat them with more kid gloves than this. But if they sin against you, this is how hard you can be to them. Tell them about it. Tell them they sinned against you. And if they repent, forgive them. Forgive them. So that means that they don't sin against you, but they offend you a little bit, and they repent, you still have to forgive them. Because you've got to forgive them even if, even if they sinned against you. you got to forgive them. Uh, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Most of us don't get, have somebody in our life that sins against us seven times in a lifetime. But he said, if they sin against you seven times every day, in seven days they do that, and they keep coming back to you every single time. What is it, what, what's the last? Look at those last four words there. You must forgive them. So if you have been wronged, if you have been harmed, hurt, or offended, then you 
have the responsibility to go to them. And remember, go in private. Remember that that's because these are just kind of some explanations, tweaks that God, Jesus has given us to that little plan he has to get rid of drama and to end conflicts in our lives. So, so basically, these, the, these two that I just read to you, if you've hurt somebody or if somebody's hurt you, you have the responsibility to go fix it. And, and, and this one, even if it doesn't all add up, you know, you ever had somebody apologize to you and you didn't really feel like that was an apology? So you're kind of thinking, come on, somebody, help me here. Say amen. Yeah, uh-huh. you've been here. I just don't know if they're really sorry or not. Doesn't really sound like an apology to me. They apologized for me getting offended, but they didn't apologize for what they did. Okay, go ahead and carry that to your grave if you want to. You know, while they're off having vacation and trips and enjoying life, and you just go ahead and carry all that bitterness in your life and realize that here's what Christ is trying to do. He's trying to end the conflict in your life. He's trying to bring peace and harmony. And so when they say, I'm sorry, come on, do you really want to be raked over the coals about every little individual thing that you said or did when you harmed somebody? Or don't you want to say, I am sorry, please, let's, let's, let's somehow find a way to put this behind us. That's what Christ wants. And if you want harmony, if you want peace in your life, if you want to end the conflicted areas of your life, that's what you want also. So when they repent, and and repent does not mean, repent means to change your mind or to change your purpose. When you say, oh, wow, you know, what I said I think is the truth, but, you know, I did not mean it to be that thing. I am so sorry. That's repentance because they changed their purpose. I did not mean to hurt you. That's repentance because they changed their purpose. That's what the word means. It means a change of mind or a change of purpose. And so if they say that, then just forgive them, okay, so you can be free. So you don't have conflict in every little single thing in your life. i got to hurry. Okay, so the fourth one here about Jesus. Jesus talks, again, I told you we'd come back to selflessness. He talks about selflessness. John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Here's the thing. why, Why did I call these the crazy teachings of Christ? Because nobody does this. Nobody forgives people that don't give a full, detailed uh, repentance or, or apology. I mean, that's not what the world does. You know, nobody in the world apologizes for things they didn't do. Yeah, that's crazy. Why would you do that? Nobody, when they get offended, goes straight to the person that offended them. No, they got to go tell 14 people. You know, they got to go get everybody on their side. They got to get everybody, you know, feeling sorry for them, you know, because I got to get all I can get out of this before I go and I get reconciled to, to my friend here or whatever. Nobody does that in the world. That's why this is crazy. And that's why the world knows we're his disciples because we do these crazy, silly things. We apologize when we aren't, hadn't been wrong. We forgive even when we hadn't got a full apology because we go in private and we don't tell all of our hurts and all. That's why people know that we are his disciples. That's why they know this. And so, so, so he's tweaking this. And so here, here's the wrap of, of, of this part of with Jesus it, it, is, is that uh, we must fix our attitudes and our feelings, not the problem du jour, Okay. Because when we don't fix our attitude, we won't get back to this thing of loving God first. There's going to be another problem tomorrow. There's going to be another problem tomorrow. And there's going to be another problem the next day and another one the next day. And, 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 and you might be thinking about throwing away your marriage and walking away, but I guarantee you, if you're not fixing the attitude and the selfishness that is there, and if you're not fixing your love for Christ, you're going to walk out of one marriage and into another with the very same problems. 
What, what, you know, you're, you're thinking about leaving a job, even as simple as leaving a job. Yeah, a lot of times it is time to leave a job. But if you're not careful, if you don't fix the attitude, if you don't embrace selflessness, you know what you're going to find yourself doing? You're going to find yourself going job to job to job, wondering why all these people are treating you like that because of the conflict that is in your life. Let me give you four, quickly, four teachings of Paul. And these are six, seven, I'm sorry, seven, eight, nine, ten of, of our top ten. First of all, he says, protect others from quarrels. Second Timothy 2 and 23 says, do not have anything to do with foolish and stupid discussions because you know that they breed arguments. Don't, he said, don't argue over petty stuff. Okay, that, that's, that's my language. That's our language today. Don't argue over petty stuff. You just breed quarrels. And you know what happens when we do that? Innocent people get caught in the crossfire. People that had nothing to do with our little petty arguments, our petty quarrels. They get caught in the crossfire, and they're the ones that get harmed, and they, they are the ones that get injured. They are the ones that get hurt. They are the ones that, that, that it's hard to rescue. And what, what's my point at the bottom here? Tom? Thanks. Often we defend ourselves at the expense of others. Paul says, stop that. Stop defending yourself when you know it's hurting somebody. If you know that I can defend myself and it's going to hurt somebody, some little innocent or somebody else over here, or I can just forget it and go on, Paul says, forget it and go on. Okay, and then second, second teaching of Paul is, oh, oh I, thank you. I'm glad you threw that. I almost forgot that. I've got to throw this one at you. I, I've had this in my sermon notes several times, and I, I hadn't really been able to share this with you. And this is a great opportunity to share it. This is some preaching points here, and I don't have time to develop it, but let me, let me throw this at you as quick as I can. Genesis chapter 4, verse 10. You, you've probably heard, I don't know if you heard, y'all ever heard, did y'all know Cain killed Abel? Y'all, yeah, y'all heard Cain, yeah, first murder. Cain killed Abel. And when God came to talk to Cain about it, Cain said, who am I, my brother's keeper? And God said, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Cain spilled his brother's blood on the ground. But the original Hebrew, now listen, I am not a Hebrew scholar, okay? Somebody told me this, and I checked it out. A lot of people say this, okay? So it's not me. I mean, there's some, there's some Greek words I can look at, and I can see, okay, yeah, that one. But, but those, those Hebrew words, I mean, you, you ever looked at Hebrew? You know, you ever looked at that? I mean, where the little dot and how the dots turned or, you know, where it's at? I mean, I, those are beyond me, above me, okay? So I have to ask people. And I found it, and they say, yes, that word blood right there in the original Hebrew text is plural, God is saying, Cain, the voice of your brother's bloods have cried out to me from the ground. And what the Jews understand that to mean, when, when the Jews read that, and they read that in the Hebrew, and they said, the voice of your brother, brother's bloods, what they understand that to mean is God is saying that the posterity, all the good that was going to come from Abel, you have destroyed today. All of that, not just this one life, but every good that was coming from him cries out to me from the ground, I didn't even get a chance in this world. Here's, here's how this relates to me and you. Is when I attack somebody, I don't just offend the person. I offend that person, but I also impact every other person that they will ever minister to. If I say something negative about you, doesn't matter if it's true or false. If I say something negative about you, behind your back, it will impact everyone that needs to be in your small group next semester. Think about it this way. Imagine if someone had offended Billy Graham right before he started his ministry. 
And he had just gotten fed up. I can't believe. I can't believe that people would treat me this. And he just said, I am not, I am not doing this. I'm not going in to do it. And I'm not going to preach ever again. I'm not going to. Think of the thousands. The hundreds of thousands of people who never, ever experienced Christ because someone offended Billy Graham. That's what this scripture's talking to us about. So the next time you're thinking about your little revenge, you want you just remember the voice of somebody's bloods is going to be crying out from the ground for every one of those people that we've offended. God, God, God's trying to teach us something here. There, there can be no peace inside of us. We are going to be conflicted when we have destroyed that much. I, so, so let me go on. I, I got three things real quick. Be willing to suffer wrong. Okay, that, that's another crazy one, right? Paul says a servant of the Lord must not, must not argue. Wow, can I spend about 20 minutes here? I don't have it, do I? Can, the servant of the Lord must not argue. I, I could vote right here. I mean, if y'all you want me to spend about 20 minutes here, you know, it'd probably be half and half. It'd be, you know, because I half don't want to argue. would be the one to say, yeah, spend some. They must not argue. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, teachable, and willing to suffer wrong. There are times that I have to just say, I don't want to hurt that one going right back to this. I don't want them to be hurt. And so instead of getting my vengeance, I'm just going to take, I'm just going to take this, put it under the blood and say, God, let's go on and get past this thing. Paul says that he says, uh, be kind to everyone, uh, be willing to suffer wrong. I'm, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. And in verse, uh, verse 25 and gentle when refuting opponents, that's another crazy one to be gentle when refuting opponents. Yeah. Why would you do that? Because it may be that God will allow them to repent and come to a full knowledge of who he is, of his saving ability. Refute your opponents with gentleness. Here's what he's saying. He's saying the whole issue here is for us to seek rescue, for us to make sure no one is lost. It's not so that we, we get to prove our point about how bad we were done and we get a lot of people on our side and all your best friends, they realize that you did me wrong, now they'll be my best. Is that, is that what this is? No, this is not what this is about. What this is about is seeking rescue and Paul drives it home right here. He, says, he says, when he says, be gentle when refuting opponents because it just may be. Think about it. That you being willing to suffer wrong and refuting your opponents and coming to them with, with, with a soft answer, as the Word of God also tells us, that what you could do is you could be the one that reaches them for Jesus Christ. That, that right there, I mean, we started with the most important thing. You've got to get that. Love God. If you don't get that, all the rest of this sounds crazy. And it might sound crazy to you even if you love God. But here's, here's the gist of it. This is what it's all about. It's, it's not about me getting to tell my story. It's about seeking rescue. And we need to start expecting that God is going to bring awesomeness out of the conflict in our lives. Come on, if you start, if you'll start embracing it, God can bring awesome out of your conflict. God can bring amazing out of your conflict. Some of you, some of you, you raise your hand those Sundays that I ask, how many of you need amazing? You need God to do amazing, and you raise your hand. Let me tell you, amazing may come not out of some, some, some awesome word that is shared or, or, or some, some uh, great song that's shared. It may come right out of the middle of your conflict because you've gotten your attitude right. 
Because you've fallen in love with God and because you fell in love with him, it made you also love his children. And because it starts making you treat others differently and they say, wait a minute, wow, these people must be his disciples and so it makes them think other things. And All these things add together to get to this last point, that this last place, this, to seek rescue that God can bring awesomeness. He may rescue some people and he may rescue your amazing, your blessing that you need. He may rescue it right out of your conflict. If you can, and if you can believe that, you are as crazy as any Christian who has ever followed Jesus. Amen. But it's, it takes that sometimes to believe these crazy teachings of Jesus. Because I, let me tell you something. Normal ain't working, is it? The normal out there, it ain't working. Let's try the crazy. These crazy teachings of Jesus what nobody else can do. Would you join me at the front for the last one? I know I got one more. It's, it, it's a short one, I, or it was when I put it to bed last night. <laughs> Again, if you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front with a final song, a final prayer, and we'd love to have you come join us. If you're comfortable, please come join us. And uh, Let me give you this last, this number 10 here, and the last thing. And I, I, I saved it for last because we're all going to be together right here. So come on, if you will. Amen. Thank you. Here's the last one. Believe the best. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where Paul is talking about love. A lot of people call it the love chapter. It's a chapter all about love. You hear it read at, at weddings all the time. It's in greeting cards. Here in the middle of it, verse 7 He's talking about love, and he says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Those two, those two phrases right there in the middle, look at what, they, what they're saying. Hope, uh, I'm sorry, love believes all things and hopes all things. What he's saying is love believes the best about you. It's the kind of thing we do in families. It's like when, when somebody comes home from work and they've had a really, really tough day, you know, and, and they, they don't have the patience they need to have. Is because they're family, we kind of say, well, they've had a tough day, right? Well, sometimes we do and sometimes we don't because we didn't have a good, very good day either, right? But we try to do that because they're family. Hey, guess what? We're family right here. We're family. And you know what? Those that aren't Christians, those that aren't following God yet, they're family too. They're made in his image. They just don't know it yet. They're family as well. And we need to have this same attitude. We need to believe the best about them, that when they speak a little harshly or a little little straight to us. We just need to say, well, maybe they had a bad day. We, we need to believe the best. We need to hope that, we need to hope that, you know, I, I really, even, even if they're mad at me, I really hope that it was just done out of frustration today. Believe the best and hope the best. Look at, look at two or three people around you. You don't have to look at them and I'm not going to tell you to say anything to them. Just look at the people around you. Believe the best about them. Believe the best about them. That's, that's what he's calling us to do is to believe the best, okay? I want to I, I pray with you right now. You've you got a lot of conflict in your life. A lot of this was in, about interpersonal conflict, but you've got conflict. You know, when, when, when you've got more bills than you've got money coming in, that's a conflict. Somebody say amen. <laughs> you know, and when you've got bills and you ain't got a job, that's a conflict, you know? When, when you've got something wrong with you and a doctor's scratching his head, that's a conflict, there's a lot of conflict in our lives. It begins with that very first thing. Let's get that right, and then let's look at all the rest of these things that the rest of the world thinks are rules, crazy rules, 
But these are the words of life from Jesus Christ himself. That these are the things that will end the drama, end the conflict in our life, and bring true peace and harmony and the blessings of God. I'll pray that over you. But let me ask you.